everybody. Welcome back to the Slumber Party Podcast. I'm your host, CEO and founder of Baby's Best Sleep, Amanda Jusen. And today, unfortunately, um, Lisa is on a girl's trip with another group of friends because that's the kind of friend she is. I'm just kidding. Have fun, Lisa. We hope you're having a great time. Today, I am so, so, so very excited to be here with my friend, Aaliyah from Box Wellness in Toronto. Yes, you're out of Toronto. Yes, I am. Yeah. I just realized that I was assuming that you were in Toronto. And then I'm like, wait, is she on the outskirts? No. But you're in Toronto. Yes, I'm in the city. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome, Aaliyah. Thank you for having me, Amanda. I'm really excited to be here. I want to tell my story about how I like came to find you okay. and who you are because I think it's it's not something I've ever like we've ever talked about. Yeah. But I was thinking about this before our our podcast and I was like how did I like learn about Aaliyah? And it you had followed me one day and it was yeah. like box wellness and I was like ha cuz I was I had no idea I was like box and then it was like actually about your box which yeah. is hilarious yeah. and then I was like well this is the type of person I need in my life and then I just followed you <laughs> and and it what and I wasn't wrong it's been high quality content since oh it's been fun times in the dms with you and I sometimes agreed you know, I knew that we were you know we were meant to be friends when you could you know with no warning I did. I did give you a hard time about moving to Stratford because you were. You right call to- me Stratford. I call you Stratford. Yeah, and I was like, we don't know each other. Maybe I shouldn't be so informal with this person. But you took it. You gave it right back, and it was perfect. It's okay. I mean, Stratford is a weird place. I mean, I, anyone listening from Stratford right now is like, fuck you. But I, I find okay. So I think that, okay, this is, this is a, I think I'm going to tell a story and it'll explain, I think a lot of people in cities perception. So um, when we moved here, I was eating mostly vegan at the time. And I was like, oh yeah, I better make sure that I have trips planned back to Toronto to get the foods that I like because they won't have them there in Stratford. And the joke is that are like the Sobeys here has like an entire refrigerated huge part of their store that had more selection than any store that I had been to in Toronto. And I was like, oh, I think I might be an asshole. (laughs) And I think like, (laughs) like you learn that like, oh, life goes on outside of the city. Um, And I'm saying this on my own learning because I was like, well, I'll have to go into Stratford for many things. you know, who will do my hair? Well, oddly enough, I found someone to do my hair and she's excellent. Like, I think I had my own preconceived notions about like smaller town life, but Stratford is a unique community in that it has the festival here. And there are lots of people from lots of different places coming in and out of Stratford at all times. Um, There's, it's, it's, you know, quite liberal in some ways and friendly and accommodating. And, you know, you go downtown and there's lots of like pride flags everywhere. And it's, it's a good community to be in. I I really like it. Um, I'm not saying I haven't encountered um some thinking that might be different from mine outside of the city. I've definitely encountered that in more more instances than I would um 
in Toronto. But then I think about some of the conversations I had with my neighbors in my community that were quite challenging for me to deal with politically, right? So um, I don't think it's all that different. And yeah, all kinds of of people's, all kinds of people all over the place, right? It's just, um, yeah, you know, people like people like us from the city, we just, you know, we think that there's nothing to do anywhere else. But I do, I have to admit that I I am um, like interested in, you know, moving out of the city, not maybe so far, but, you know, it's, it's a bit busy. It's a bit loud. I'm, you know, the pandemic, yeah, the pandemic has made me realize that like, mm, it doesn't have to be so noisy and loud all the time. <laughs> I have to like, it's, um, it's funny because I think about the amount of time we spend in Toronto driving out of yeah. the city. It's yeah. like getting away. And it was a lot. And now it's like, my home is my sanctuary. My yard is like somewhere I want to be. It's, it's a very different vibe. It's a very different feeling. Yeah. Um, I do. I do love it. I'm, I'm totally converted. I, and I, like, I get a lot of, listen, people in the city are so committed to the lifestyle. I understand. Okay. Like I get it, but then you get a lot of people being like, we have parks and it's easy for me and everything is walkable for me. And I'm like, well, that's where you live. Like I can't afford that house in that neighborhood in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, or I don't, feel like it's worth it like to just like anyway so it's one of those things where you make a decision right like I drive less than I ever have driven here than Mm. in Toronto I we walk so much more our school is close like it's a really nice community Mm. anyway I can go on and on maybe I'll move out to Stratford and join you there I'm not kidding. Like, it's actually crazy. Like, I think a lot of people are. It is a really interesting small town because yeah. it, it does have everything. It has really good food. We have a chef school. So there's like excellent food everywhere. Like, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, get ready to eat. All right. Well, anyways, Stratford. First, um, just come do lunch here. That's okay. that's first. Yeah. I did tell you that I would drive up there one day when the weather was better and it's better. So I'll come meet you one day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Aaliyah, tell me everything about what you do because your, your um, Instagram account is highly hilarious and oh, honest. And I feel like what you see is what you get. And um, probably why you're so successful. But tell everybody about what you do and why they need to see you. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. That was like really you're just pumping up my tires over here, Amanda. So I it's all am, true. <laughs> I am a pelvic health physiotherapist um, and also kind of an educator, I guess you can say. I love teaching and educating people, mainly women, on how their bodies work you know, through all the various changes, we all are going to go through one or more of these changes in our lives, whether it's, you know, puberty or, you know, being pregnant, having a baby, menopause, so on and so forth. There's all these phases that, you know, most of us go through, like I said, one or more of those. And we're just so freaking unprepared because nobody talks to us about what to expect, how to manage it, what's normal. Um, We have this skewed notion of like what's normal, right? And that Mm -hmm. might not be serving us or healthy for us or maybe just not good for quality of life. So I just feel like there's such a lack of information. So as a pelvic floor physio, I kind of use my Instagram to 
do a lot of like higher level education, right? Like just teaching people these concepts and these things about, um, you know, like I talk a lot about leaks. I talk a lot about postpartum stuff and pregnant pregnancy stuff, like how to prepare for birth is actually things that we can perhaps do or practice that can make our birth experience a little bit different. Um, you know, talking about these types of things that, you know, if we talk about leaks, for example, um, that's something that like in the mom community, it's just sort of laughed about, right? Like, oh, of course, you're going to like pee when you sneeze, or you're going to leak when you mm-hmm. run that you're a mom, you've had a kid or you've had two kids. And mm-hmm. I know that narrative, I think is, is good, at least we're talking about it. But it's kind of harmful, too, because it's making everyone feel like, oh, that's normal. There's nothing that I can do about it, right? When in mm-hmm. fact, what, what is the truth? And what the, you know, the evidence and studies show is that, like pelvic floor physiotherapy, like the right type of treatment um, can actually eliminate or reduce leaks. Like that's huge, right? That can Mm -hmm. take women from avoiding certain activities that they were not doing because they were maybe leaking and bringing that back into their life. And I think that's amazing. So that's just one example. Um, But yeah, I love teaching about this stuff. I I see people for virtual consults one-on-one. I hold like live online workshops and um, soon I'll be having some kind of like online programs that people can you know purchase and go through at their own pace for various phases of their life so lots of fun stuff and um, yeah yeah I loved connecting with you because um, you know I shared with you through messaging before that when like I have a son and he's almost seven now um, but when he was really small I had a really hard time with his sleep like it was a really I guess, super challenging time in in my life. And I just really appreciate the way that you approach your business and like your work, because, you know, first of all, I feel like there's no judgment at all in anything that you're saying. And I think that's really important. I'm so far removed from my infant sleep days, but I Mm -hmm. still hold this kind of wound. It's still there. It was really hard for me. And so there's a lot of, you know, sleep consultants out there who there's a lot of implicit, I think, judgment or shaming about you know if you let your baby figure it out by himself or cry then that you know you're a bad mom and you're harming your child and they'll never be attached to you and so it that affects me because I did let him cry it out um Mm -hmm. that affects me now like six and a half years later I cannot imagine how that would affect me if I read that while I was doing it or when I felt like I have oh my God, I'm actually not going to make it through this phase of my life, which is really what I felt at some points. So anyhow, I really appreciate the work that you do because I see women on the other side of it. They're not coming to me for sleep advice because I would, mm-hmm. obviously I did not know what I was doing and I would have very bad advice, but <laughs> um, like they're coming to me exhausted and having a really tough time recovering physically and their mental mm-hmm. health is suffering and their social support is non-existent. And I just feel like you know, someone like, like you, I just really appreciate what you put out there because it's a really important piece. Getting babies to sleep means that you can sleep. And then if you can sleep, then things can just get better. I, well, thank you. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I I mean, it's all about like, there's so many layers to this argument in this piece of where we say like, here's normal infant sleep, normalize normal infant sleep. And it's like, okay, I've normalized it, but let's normalize the fact that we don't live in the communities that we used to do. Let's normalize that we don't have the supports that we once did. Let's normalize that we basically say, well, we gave you mat leave, so now deal with it. And that like, I, it just, 
it boggles the mind to me. Like if you are, and I always say this, like if you're coping with the way that you're sleeping and everyone in your family is doing well and that's what you want to do, then I don't ever want to change that. But to, to look at, uh, it's just, I don't know. It, I have so many thoughts in my head. Like to say to a, a, a parent, like, hey, I know you're suffering. I know you're having emotions that may be negatively affecting your attachment with your child or your connection with your partner or your, um, you know, your ability to even want to connect with your your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that, but that's normal. And your child will thank you for it. Uh, I, I am like... I didn't deal with like the sleepless part of stuff, but I have my own mental health journey. And, sure. and in the short story is that when I got well and when I was okay, your children co-regulate with their caregiver. It like no one wants their baby to cry. Nobody. I don't want their <clears throat> a baby to cry. And so yeah. when we're working with clients, we're actually trying to make sure that the crying is actually the last like knowing it's like a figment of our imagination at the end. Cause it, when you do it right, it should be short and it, it's just a thing of the past, mm-hmm. but no one wants that. However, the long-term overall effect of a present parent, a connected parent, one that is not resentful of their child is sometimes will outweigh the fact that they had to cry for a night or right. three. Right. Yeah. And, and by the way, like, I'm curious about the same people who talk about babies who, you know, just I'm not even going to repeat it because it's triggering. So I'm not going to say what they say. You can go on some bullshit Instagram account, and find it out yourself. But it's like these things about like, well, when when you're baby, then I'm like, OK, so what happened that one time when I was on the highway and my baby yeah. was crying nonstop yeah. and it was just me in the car and the baby yeah. cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and it was activating for everyone in the car. So that that's okay. That's okay. But when you do that for sleep, you're a monster. Like, ugh, ugh. like ugh. it's bullshit. It's, it's all bullshit. bullshit. It makes no it's sense. bullshit. It's like, and I think, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, it, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's like picking and choosing when it's not okay for your child to cry. Right. So if you're standing on some hill mm-hmm. and you're saying that one must not ever let their child cry, um, because X, Y, and Z will happen, right? Then what do you do when you're at the grocery store and your child is sitting in the little shopping cart thingamajiggy and decides to like lean down and put his face and lick the handle? Like, and you say, you no. let it happen. And then, well, <laughs> well, yeah, you let it happen because God forbid your child cries. So I just feel like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think that there's like any, you know, yeah, it's it's just so full of judgment. I, I don't like it. it. I don't like it's it. It's also but it's also like a very immature explanation and understanding of actual attachment theory, which is this concept that like attachment is like a day. <clears throat> and by the way, like let's say you don't ever sleep train. Let's say you just, you know, live your life. One day you are going to yell at your kid in a really bad way. Or one day you are going to disappoint that child in a really, in a way that like is for their safety. And that will be an attachment rupture that day. And then what do you do? You repair the attachment rupture. So to say that like attachment is created in, in a moment or, or attachment is, um, negatively impact for the long term in a moment is immature. Like it's a constant 
adults are still seeking attachment. Like you're constantly creating attachment relationships with with the people around you and your caregivers. Mm -hmm. So if it means that like we have this like rupture and attachment for one to three days, but then it means 365 days of a present all these moments to create yeah. attachment, then that's what we need to be looking at. But I want to, I want to <laughs> like circle back to this because yeah. you said something that I think is so right. And I hear this all the time. Um, I actually, I wrote something for like, you know, diary of an honest mom. She's on like TikTok, and yeah, I, yeah. I just love everything that she does. She had reached out and was like, oh, do you want to write something about like self-care and sleep? And I'm sitting here and I'm writing this thing and I'm writing this thing for her blog. And I kept being like, this feels false because I, I actually believe that like it, it would almost be like, do you want to write about drinking water and, and self-care? And then we'd be like, uh, I need water to live or like talk about eating and then self-care. And then I was like, um, we had this whole discussion. She's like, I hope it wasn't offensive. I was like, no, it just became apparent to me what a baseline necessity sleep is. We keep acting like it's like cute, like go for a walk, mental health. Like, no, you have to sleep. And so when you talk about your pelvic floor, when you talk about like, I have friends who suffered through pretty um, debilitating prolapse, the anxiety mm-hmm. and depression that comes with prolapse. Mm-hmm. I, and then the fact that they can't get better because they're not sleeping. Yeah. The the physical, your physical body reaction yeah. to a lack of sleep. We just, it's like an afterthought. You have this like superhuman ability to avoid sleep when you, when you push out a child. No, that doesn't happen. Sorry. And I would love to know what you think about that and how you're, how that's showing up in your clinic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so, that's so true because there is this, yeah, moms are not superhuman, right? They're just like regular people. Moms still need (laughs) care and they need sleep and they need to eat food and they need to take a shower and, you know, they need all, they need support, right? We're not super Mm -hmm. women. We're just people who now have a child. Um, so I think that narrative is also like insidious, insidiously harmful. Like, Oh, you're a superwoman. Actually, no, I'm like barely hanging on somebody can help me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, how do I feel about, you know, sleep and how this is showing up? Yeah. I think it's something that I, I try to emphasize with new moms, but it's, it's challenging because it's, I feel like I have to very carefully, Mm-hmm. navigate the conversation, right? I want to tell mm-hmm. them and remind them sleep is really important. Your body actually needs sleep, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We know the mental health connections to having poor sleep. We know that postpartum moms are at a very high risk of mental health issues, right? We all, we know all this stuff. And so I talk mm-hmm. about that and then they share with me that, oh, but my baby is not sleeping. My baby is, you know, up so-and-so number of hours every night. And, you know, I think my baby will just get better in time. So for me, like, yeah. you know, and I understand the sentiment because I felt that as well in a way. Yeah. Um. So I find it, it's delicate. So I, I've kind of finessed this way of like approaching the conversation and letting them know that, if you want to talk about sleep training, I'm not one of those people that is going to make you feel bad about it. So I often will share my story like a little bit so that later down the road, if they get to the point where they cannot handle it anymore and they want to talk to someone about it, or they want to even just say it out loud, I can't do this any longer. um, I try to create that safe space for them because I don't know that there's just too, 
having a kid these days is really hard. There's so much judgment yeah. everywhere from your family, from yeah. your friends and from people that you don't even know on the internet. Um, yeah. but it is very important. We know that for like physical performance and like the tissue recovery in our body, we actually need sleep. It's just as important as good nutrition and all that stuff. So, uh, and for, and for exercise and, and all of this. So it does show up regularly and it is a piece of a conversation that I feel like is not happening. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, enough. Well, it's enough. joked about. It's yeah. like, oh, you'll never sleep again. <laughs> it's like, know, that's terrifying. It's, it's really terrifying. It's really terrifying. Like, you know, when my son, my son was born and he just like was not happy with life out here. He, you know, he's one of those kids that like was colicky, but I don't know. That means something different for every single person. Yeah. But boyfriend just cried every single minute of the day and he would mm-hmm. nap for like half an hour at a time and he would sleep in like 40 or 45 minute chunks and it would take me more than like 40 or 45 minutes to put him to sleep. I would like yeah. aggressively bounce him on a ball and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. pat him and sing the same freaking song or make a sh noise, do everything. And yes. he would finally fall asleep and I would barely have time to like get out of the room, go pee grab something to eat and then he would be up again and this would happen the whole night and so Mm -hmm. I used to kind of tell myself like as he got bigger you know two or three months and he stopped crying so much during the day I was like I can't tolerate him crying at nighttime because all he's done his whole entire life is cry so I had a really hard time with that but you know my own mental health and my own physical recovery was absolutely compromised like never mind the fact that like my relationship was also like it was very everything was so freaking challenging I was a zombie I do not remember the first six months of his life like I, Mm -hmm. I really don't um and it took a lot for me to get to the point where I was like okay he's cried his entire life. He needs to cry a little bit more so that he can figure this out. He can do it. I feel confident he can do it. And he did it. He did wonderfully. And like now he's, he's always been a great sleeper. Like for sure. There's been hiccups along the way, but he's a good sleeper. He doesn't want anyone's help to go to sleep. He doesn't want you to pat his back to go to sleep. He doesn't want you to stay in the room. He wants you to just leave and let him figure it out. So it was absolutely hands down the best decision because I was at a point, honestly, Amanda, where I was like, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to hurt somebody else. Whoever's around is going to get hurt one day. And that was really, really scary. And I didn't, I didn't like that feeling. And at the moment I couldn't tell anyone that that's like what was going on. But like, it was, I was at the end of my freaking rope. I had lost like so much weight because I was bouncing this kid for like 20 hours of the day. Oh, you look so great. I'm like, I'm fucking falling apart inside. I haven't had a meal in six months. I haven't stopped moving. This this is terrible. I shouldn't look like this. So oh, so I mean the layers in that comment too, right? That, right? Oh my god, I, I, I'm, I had this like one. I did. I think I've talked about it on the podcast. I can't remember what I talk about in real life versus on the podcast. So sorry if this is a repeat. But I had this woman reach out or not reach out, write this shitty comment on one of my reels about how. So there was a study conducted, and this is a study that's always like kind of thrown in people's faces, like the cortisol study. And they're like, yep, baby's cortisol rose and that means they're stressed out and you should sleep tribe. And then I'm like, well, actually there's, this study is like super flawed. Like it was small. They didn't have a baseline cortisol. They didn't track the cortisol after, like there's a lot of issues. And this woman wrote like, well, that just means that we need to do more studies. And And I wrote, yeah, I would love that. Like let's do more studies on this. And then she's like, 
she went into this whole conversation about like, you know, the effects of sleep deprivation are always exacerbated by people like you telling people that they are, they are in sleep deprivation and that it's never as bad as you say it is. And I was like, um, I've had my clients unprompted tell me very scary thoughts that they've had. And very disturbing things that they're thinking, which is normal when we are not sleeping. Your brain doesn't work the same way. My own, my own journey with postpartum anxiety. I remember the first night it was like, um, my youngest was six weeks and she gave me six hours in a row and I woke up and I was like, I feel a lot better today. And I just knew the correlation was there. And I mean, there's a ton of evidence to, to back that up, but it's like, everyone deals with this differently, which is why I have a big old soft spot for people who don't want to do this or who co-sleep because I think that they're managing and they probably sleep and they enjoy the co-sleeping and who the hell cares if they do it or not. And I know that there's judgment on the other end about co-sleeping or bed sharing or helping your child to sleep. Really, we should all just mind our own goddamn business. That's it. (laughs) And that's so true. But if it's working for someone, then let them do it. It's not your business. And, and and I think that the uh, this is the last thing I'll say and then I'll shut up. No. There's not this like thing on the opposite end, not to and I'm happy to be like proven wrong on this, but when when someone is co-sleeping or helping their child to sleep in any way, nobody's accusing them of damaging their relationship of their with their child nonstop or saying that it's bad for them or blah, blah, blah. Where you know, women on the opposite end where like they've tried co-sleeping or they've tried all these like very gentle strategies and they're not working and they're not exhausted. There's all this finger wagging about mm, you're gonna damage this connection with this person and you're setting them up to be sociopaths or all the crazy shit I've heard. It's like no one does that on the other end. And I think that's, that's the difference. Okay. Now shut up. No, you you shouldn't shut up, but like people just need to mind their own business. Like at the end of the day, just mind your own business. Right. Because if it's yes. not a problem for you, like hurrah, like I go know. fucking fly a kite. Who cares? Like, if it's not a problem for you, why are you talking? Why are you here, Karen? Like go away. Right? Just, you know how many things I see on the internet? And if I don't agree with it, I go, oof. You can just And I live my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's a thing, right? And I think it's it's also, you know, in the space that you work in and that and, and I work in too, it, it can be predatory, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are yeah. people, right, yes. who are preying on... Uh-huh others in vulnerable points in their life and it is what it is it's true and um but at the end of the day I think that if it's not something that concerns you like you do not need to have an opinion on this Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day if you are someone like you like your example is co-sleeping and it's a non-issue for you and you're happy doing it then you don't need to do anything just don't do anything yeah and like with you know if if there's people that come across, you know, my content or, or meet another pelvic floor physio and they are leaking or they're having painful intimacy or they have stuff going on, but it's not a problem for them. If they're managing it and they don't want to do the work or want to address it, that's not my business. I cannot I've... make you do that. If you are fine with it, if you're fine with wearing a pad or if you're fine with wearing observant underwear or you're fine with not doing those things, 
I'm happy for you. But if you don't want to do that anymore, then I can help you. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, I, I follow your content. I haven't needed a pelvic floor physio and I've been like looking for ways to be like, (laughs) do I, it feels like something I need, but I don't know what I would even go. Like, it's like been, it's been like, Hey, everyone should have this as part of their postpartum experience. Like, well, I had two kids and I just learned what one was after the second. I don't. And, and so then like, I don't, probably I don't need your services. Maybe I do. And I'm not unaware. Um, but I can still engage with your content and be with it and be like, yeah. this is great for someone else. And you don't have to comment to be like, this is not a problem. Nobody has this problem just because you oh don't. Oh my God. Oh, for Pete's sake. I don't know. Did you see someone last week on my Instagram? It was the best. I wrote, I had this video, um, this a, a hilarious person on TikTok did this whole like breakdown of like what happens when your toddler falls in uh, sleep in the car for 10 minutes. And I stitched it to oh, explain the science behind it. And someone just writes, this is stupid. This doesn't even happen. And I was like, <laughs> it doesn't happen to you or it hasn't happened to you, but it happens to many other people. And that's not how science works. Just because it's not a you experience doesn't mean it's not a show a, a common experience. You know, oh my God. This I understand like in this moment why there it's such a political divide and why people have such different and in my opinion we don't have to talk about politics because I think we'll just mm-hmm. we'll be here for three days. But mm-hmm. why people have views that to me are just frankly like wrong. They're just mm-hmm. wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's exactly what you said. Like this person said, this doesn't happen because it never happened to her. So people yeah. who are in, you know, able-bodied, who are, you know, yes. presenting, who are yeah. in, you know, heterosexual relationships, who have never been marginalized, have never been, you know, yeah, of course you're never going to, of course it doesn't happen. Of course you have no well, reason to care about that because it never happened to you. Why do we only care about ourselves? I don't know. In, in, in that argument, racism is a lie and it doesn't exist. Because no one has ever excluded me based on my white skin. So well, you're like a white person. So, I mean, no one's going to exclude you for your white skin. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Okay. Let's be clear. <laughs> oh, my God. People, or, people I, just make me want to just do bad things. I know. Yeah. But it is, I mean, I think that all we can do is spread, like, information. And, you know, people ask me about co-sleeping all the time. And, I can't like I have to be careful about what I say for liability purposes and and my platform. I never want to give a suggestion that would be unsafe ever. So there are lot there's lots of evidence around like safety and co-sleeping in both directions. Is, but they're it, like not recommended. It's not recommended. So it's not recommended for SIDS reasons. Yeah. But there is a lot of evidence to suggest safety when done right. So when you are, when you are, um, and I'm not recommending this, do not, you play this to your goddamn doctor. Like I am not recommending this, however, but when you are going to sleep sober, you don't smoke, you have, um, like there's all these factors. It like, there is some evidence that it can be done safely. And like, honestly, a lot of people around the world do it. Right. And and, like very effortlessly it's, it can be cultural for a lot of people. Um, so it's like, we need to have space for, for 
that as well. I, I'm, I can't, I, Aaliyah, I could talk to you for 400 years, but now our, our podcast is inching towards 31 minutes and okay, 49 okay. seconds. And that is a long nap for a baby. Oh, okay. So how <laughs> we, we keep all the, the naps to a crap nap time. It's purposeful. So you can get them in. Aaliyah, how can people find you? So the pa- the place I like to hang out the most is Instagram. I'm at Box Wellness Co. And you can also head to my website to find other things at boxwellness.co. Amazing. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Amanda. That was really fun. Bye. Bye.